Welcome to Glass Talk, Canada's podcast for the architectural glass industry. Now here's your host, Patrick Flannery. Hi there, I'm Pat Flannery. Today I spoke with Robert Bronk. He is the CEO of the Ontario Construction Secretariat uh, and also has a background as a glazing trainer. Uh, so Robert has uh, some great experience in the industry. Our big topic today was uh, labor, the labor supply, uh, finding workers, uh, sourcing the skilled trades that we're going to need down the road. Uh, the Ontario Construction Secretariat has a lot of information on this uh, as they work with uh, both the unionized trades and uh, employers uh, across Ontario. Uh, we talked about what the barriers are to uh, getting more people into the skilled trades. Uh, we spoke uh, definitely a lot about how to outreach to young people, uh, what uh, might be stopping young people from looking at the trades and how that might be changing and how that might be made better. Um, talked about outreach to different groups, diverse groups, uh, uh, women, people of color, uh, Indigenous, uh, everybody uh, who we might be uh, overlooking in our search for labor. Uh, we talked about it, the state of the apprenticeship system and uh, where that's at uh, and uh, how that's working in Ontario, uh, where it might be made better and where uh, things are going well. Uh, talked a bit about uh, the experience of our uh, construction industry, our ICI construction industry during the pandemic, um, how uh, workers and employers uh, protected themselves on job sites and, uh, and how that worked out and some of the results that were achieved there. Uh, spoke a bit about uh, the larger prospects for the industry, what we can expect to see uh, in construction going forward, what the attitudes of co contractors are, uh, and um, some of the sources of work that might be coming uh, down the pipeline, what the impact of inflation might be, what the impact of supply shortages might be, and, uh, and what our hopes are for, uh, for that getting resolved. Um, so great conversation with Robert, very lively conversation. He had uh, lots of interesting things to say and some, uh, some great anecdotes. Uh, so please enjoy my conversation with Robert Bronk from the Ontario Construction Secretariat. I am with Robert Bronk, CEO of the Ontario Construction Secretariat. Robert, how are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Listen, thanks so much for joining us today. We're, we're going to have a little chat uh, uh, really about uh, labor in the construction industry and the, and the, and the labor supply and um, some of the things that, that, that you guys have been seeing and, that, uh, and, and some of the things that, that you would, I guess, like to see going forward. Um, why don't you start off, though, by uh, introducing yourself uh, and OCS to, uh, to our listeners? Great. Thanks, Patrick. Well, I've been the CEO for the past four years. Most people probably have not heard of the Ontario Construction Secretariat. We don't generally face the public, but we are within the industry, the unionized ICI sector. So it was created in 1993 to represent the collective interests of unionized construction in industry in Ontario's industrial, commercial, and institutional construction sector. So you may know there's like seven se sectors Yep. We're, we're one of the sectors. And so we're joint labor management and we're, we're dedicated to enhancing the, the ICI construction industry by developing relationships, uh, providing value added research, and just to promote the, uh, the unionized sector within um, the general public as well as 
creating research for policy for the government as well. We're not a lobby group. We, we, we create um, value-added research that's trusted by, by uh, it's been trusted for the past 27 years. Yeah, you, you guys do some great work for sure. I, I know I became aware of uh, OCS when uh, shortly after I became involved with the commercial glazing industry uh, as the editor of Glass Canada magazine. And uh, I got out to uh, one of your conferences. I believe it was uh, Toronto, the first one I went to. And, uh, you know, was very, just very impressed with the, the, the quality of the experts that you had out there. And, uh, and then lately you've been getting David Frum in uh to yes. do your uh <laughs> to do a talk which is is uh is 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 very impressive uh, to me being a bit of a uh being a bit of a political wonk in my spare time so uh, i i always uh i always enjoyed uh, being able to go in and participate in those and even fire in a couple of questions to david which is exciting for me so that's uh congratulations on the on the on the quality content you're putting out there for sure well, thank you we had peter mansbridge at our agm just uh like two days after he launched his book so we were really pleased to get him so wow yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Great stuff. Yeah, no, you guys are, you guys are, uh, you guys are pulling out. I'm going to have to get some tips from you on how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Open your checkbook. That, that helps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there, yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> Great. So listen, uh, uh, Robert, let's, let's start out with, I mean, yeah, you, you guys uh, 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 work with the unions. You're, uh, you're, you're involved with that side of things. Um, why don't you tell us first a bit, uh, I guess, let's look at the, what what's what's happened um over the course of the pandemic what what really was the role of the unions in 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 protecting workers what what's how did how did how did they get involved in uh, in, in looking after construction workers health on the job sites and there were a number of initiatives um the the big thing too is we are joint union and contractor right so right yes i'm our sorry partners are, but our part the 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 employers really did work with the unions in terms of like like a number of things. So they 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 worked with staggering workers to try and you know maybe have some trades start earlier in the day, some start later in the day, so there weren't as many on the job site at the same time. Um, there was a big press for improved uh, hygiene and site conditions. That was something that really was in theory on the books was supposed to happen, but when the pandemic hit. It really, you know, like there was improper places to wash your hands. The, the, the washrooms were poor if they existed at all sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that really improved them. That really, of all the things that really improved the most, I think. And that's something everyone is thankful that post-pandemic is going to continue. So in, increased um, hygiene and sanitary um, conditions on job sites, that was big. We, we supported the Ministry of Labor hiring more inspectors, and there was an increased number of inspections. Um, there was also supported the on-site rapid testing procedures and also um, encouraging workers, sorry, employers to start earlier and have more detailed planning. So there was increased resources put into project management. So instead of it being a little bit haphazard, there was there was way more planning earlier, and and and, and it worked. So and also, be frank, many of the the PPE requirements created by pandemic were already in place. Like you know, most workers were wearing gloves already before that. And, you know, some of the trades like drug, you know, they're already wearing masks, um, eye protection. So a lot of that stuff is already in place. So. 
it was just continued to support that, encourage the workers to follow all the rules and regulations. And um, basically, I, I think it, it was very successful, very successful. Yeah. And, in, in, you know, and in my conversations, so many of the employers were so worried about uh, an outbreak among their staff for, yes. for, for all reasons that, uh, you know, if, if anything, they were very enthusiastic, maybe more enthusiastic than the workers <laughs> about oh, okay. uh, <laughs> driving that, right? Well, we do, we do contractor surveys on a regular basis. So we, that was a question we asked our contractors. Their number one concern was the health and safety of their workers. It wasn't profit margins. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was consistent. We did, we did three intensive contractor surveys across the province. And that was their number one concern was the health and safety of their workers. So I, I don't think they were, you know, that was, what is your main concern? It wasn't, is your concern health? It, it was, that's what was posed. Yeah. And, sorry, the question was, and they answered it that. So it wasn't, we weren't leading them in the questioning. So I think that's true. You know, when you've got workers that have been around for quite a while, you know, their families, you know, you may yeah. know about their kids, like their health is number one concern. And I, I think that was really uh, revealing, you know, it, it's sort of con is maybe contrary to what people think, but that's not really what happens. I, I, I just want to, I, I want to hit that point because it, because it just, uh, it, it, it comes across anecdotally, your survey is great. And, and then, and it, but it just, it, it dovetails absolutely with all the conversations I always have. There's this impression that, you know, all oh, the, the, the evil employer is going to push the worker to do this and that that's unsafe. And, and I have just never found that to be the case, except in extremely rare uh, yes. circumstances. Uh, uh, for the for the most part, the the number one concern absolutely is uh, uh, making sure everybody is 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 taken care of. And uh, I mean, you know, it's it just like you say, you're working with these people all the time. I mean, maybe you're their boss, but whatever. You know, these yeah. are, these are the people you're spending your day with. Right? Well, and, you know, when you look at a lot of the subcontractors. You know, you think of, you know, the really big guys like Ellis, Don and PCL and Akon. Most contractors are not that big. No. You know, they're like, you know, like they might have 20, 30 guys yeah. and women. Yeah. And so, you know, they know each other. They know their first name. They know, you know, they know where they live, et cetera. So, you yeah. know, the, the numbers actually back it up. Um, so when you look at the results from WSIB, mm-hmm. so, all, so I mentioned earlier, there's seven constru- construction sectors. So there's seven sectors representing about half a million workers, 500,000 workers. So up to about two weeks ago, less than 800 were confirmed COVID cases on a job site. Okay. So that's 800 cases, yeah. union, non-union, all seven sectors, 500,000. So you know what? Yeah. You want to talk about a, a safe, I mean, you know, safe job and pandemic free. It's or proof, I should say, yeah. you know, construction, relatively speaking, was pretty, you know, safe place to work. It was, it was, that, that, that those, that's great. That, that's what I wanted from you was, was, was what those numbers actually ha- have turned out to be. I mean, it's not over yet, but it's, 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 it's on their website. It's on, you know, it's, it's yeah. not fake news. It's, it's yeah. on, that's... each week, WSIB updates it. They show who, you know, they list confirmed COVID cases Mm-hmm. And um, you know, even if it's underreported, what if it's doubled? It's still, you know, when you look at the general pop- population um, infection rates, it's way below that. 
Yeah. And, and that, you know, it would, it would make a certain amount of sense. I mean, they are working outside a lot, so that, yes. you know, that's, that's, that's for sure. But that's um, that, yeah, that, so that's great. That's great news that, uh, you know, all that, all that hard work and effort paid off. I know I, I was thinking when you were mentioning the project management, you know, what, one of the big things my glaziers had to get over was um, you couldn't have, uh, you couldn't have all the guys in the elevator uh, anymore. And, uh, you know, cause if you're trying to do something from the inside and, uh, you know, they used to rely on that, uh, obviously, I mean, it's, it's a lot easier than being up on a lift and, uh, and, and, you know, that, that had to go away and there was a big delay getting up and down. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's amazing that everybody sort of stayed profitable actually during the whole time, uh, uh, uh having to, having to work like that. Right. Um, let's talk a little bit about, um, th those were, those were the numbers. Um, at the same time, uh, I, I think uh, companies, uh, sometimes did have to slow down. Yes. Uh, there were some layoffs, um, and, and one of the, again, anecdotes, and this is why I've got you on, because I like to try to translate my anecdotes into actual information, uh, or <laughs> see, see where I'm wrong. Um, it, it, but one of the, one of the complaints I have heard is that is, is, is people, um, getting laid off or, or, or leaving voluntarily when that was sort of possible due to COVID, um, um, um some people complain about sir but not not everybody but they, you know they, they getting getting on some kind of assistance and then and then not coming back and one of the funny things that i that i heard was in particular this appeared to be affecting uh the older more experienced workers they they were they were having these losses of 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 their you know their core guys you know who would who would go out and sort of elect to say ah eh, i'm going to do something else, or I'm going to look for the resignation. What what uh, what what was the term I saw today? That the the great resignation. Uh, people were <laughs> people are people were talking about. Um, it does has has is any of that backed up by by what you guys are seeing? Anecdotally, I've heard similar stories, mm -hmm. um, but at this point in time, and we're still pretty pretty early in the game to come up with any hard numbers. I mean, mm -hmm. typically every year. Um, there's about nine to 10,000 workers and that, that's all our trades, um, um, retire. So nine to 10,000, you know, generally retire union, non-union that's approximately, we don't have any numbers yet to see if there was more, okay. um, than that. So that it's still kind of early for that. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard to determine what the impact is. And I've heard that too, from Serb, you know, like, some guys might be collecting syrup and doing some jobs on the side yeah. <laughs> stuff. and so we'll sort of see when serb gets when serb gets finally canceled we'll see if there's a bit of a rebound on that so mm. hard to say right now it's that that information is kind of it's hard to gather because you actually have to interview the, the individuals yeah um, to see what their reasons were for not returning so we we still don't have any data on that, but anecdotally, I've heard some you know some regions it's it could be a bit of a problem. Yeah, yeah, it just it 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 seems to be uh, 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 some and not others. Um, Serb aside, um, you know, and 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 really pandemic aside, uh, 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 finding enough workers, uh, uh, getting enough people uh, with the skills that you need and the aptitude that you need uh, on on a construction site is just this ongoing. A struggle uh decades now uh you know uh trying to trying to get this done 
Um, what 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 do you perceive out there as as I guess the existing barriers, maybe the most important barriers to companies getting uh, the workers that they need? I, I think generally speaking, there's a lack of awareness. Um, people generally know about um, who a carpenter, what a carpenter does, or an electrician, or a plumber, or a painter, but. To your tr- glazier, what is a glazier? Is that the guy who puts the icing on donuts? Uh, what does a millwright do? What what does uh, you know um, a boilermaker do? Like we represent twenty five different trades. People might have only heard of five or six. So I think a big part of it is the lack of awareness. They don't realize that some of these jobs are real high tech. Um, that the prerequisites to get in are the same as some universities. Like it's not. You know, you're not no longer, well, this kid's not going to college, university, so he should go in the trades. Well, those days are long gone. Those days are long gone. I think people are not aware that, you know, technology is improving. I mean, um, I used to be the training director for, for the Glaciers Training Center. And so those, you know, some of these guys are using total stations. You know, you look at the ROM, what they did there. Mm-hmm. Like, that was pretty amazing stuff. We had apprentices working there and you drive by there. And if you, if you're not familiar with, you should Google it and look at the pictures. I mean, that's real high tech. You've got to know trigonometry and like it's, you know, so if you're into technology, like a lot of the youth are, you know, there's a lot of trades that are using a lot of high tech stuff and state of the art equipment. So I just think people are not aware of all the different options. They're only aware of five or six of those general trades and so I think a lack of awareness is one thing. Also, a lack of awareness on, on the, the potential revenue stream for, your, you know, you've got a career. I mean, there's so much work in the pipeline right now just with the three levels, of, like the city of Toronto, the province of Ontario, and the Canadian government's projects in Ontario. There's billions of dollars in the pipeline right now. That's never mind the, the private sector commercial and, like, you want a career that's pandemic proof. And I know you, we talked about the recession. Well, in 2008 and 2009, it was construction that brought Canada out of the, re- the recession. So you want to look for a stability. Yeah, you might get laid off, you know, maybe in December or in, in but you're going to get overtime in, in the summer. So you're going to get your 2000 hours um, a year. So I, I think, you know, in terms of stability, in revenue stream, you know, you you get your apprenticeship, finish it. You're right, your your CFQ, your journey person. I mean, you can. There's so many different career paths after that too. You can stay on the tools if you want, or you can become a supervisor, a foreman. You can get into estimating. You can get into project management. Uh, you can start your own business. Like you know, after five years of being a journeyman, why not start your own business? You like. So the, the career, I don't think people are aware of all those different career options that are available. Or you can become a salesman for, you know, a tool company. I mean, whatever. You know, it's just, it's just there's a lot of different career paths. And I think people just, people tend to view the trades they see when they drive by a job site. And they only see, like, they might only see four or five different trades. They don't realize all the finishing trades that go in the building afterwards and all the mechanical, electrical trades. They don't see all that stuff. So they really have a narrow view of what's going on. And they think, oh, you're going to get dirty all the time. You're going to get, you're in the cold all the time. Like, no, that doesn't need to be the case. So I would say awareness and also stigma from influencers like teachers and parents who don't know have all that information. Teachers, 
who go to university tend to want to focus people to go to university because that's what they did. Like that's sort of like, and so, you know, this, the, um, there was a, an institute in Chicago that looked at the past 10 years and they compared unionized construction workers with university uh, graduates who had an arts degree. So not like engineers, nursing, not a profession, but just a general arts degree and not to slam that, but the, the income was the same. The income was the same. Uh, so the benefits, we got the pension, the health, and the, sorry, the health benefits and the salaries were the same in Illinois for unionized tradespeople who had their journeyman tickets and university graduates. So we're we're also we we we're going to jump on that. We're going to we're going to do a comparative analysis in Ontario. Um, hopefully, I'll be done within the next year to look at all those stats. We're going to partner with either Queens or McMaster or one of those universities. Let they would do that research and see what what are the results. And we we think you know you can make a six figure income in the construction world. So I, I just think there's the awareness and the stigma are the biggest barriers right now. Yeah, I, lo- I, I, I love that framing that, that you know, rather, rather than this aspect of, well, if you can't go to university, if you're, if you're a failed student, if you, if, you, if you are unable to go to university, that this, that this would be your thing. No, it, 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 is, it is a choice. Uh, it, it, is, it, is, it is whatever path you like, right? And, uh, and, and yeah, actually, it surprises me you say it's the same uh, as, as someone with an arts degree, Uh, Maybe it equalizes out over the course of your career, but I would say initially coming out of your school or your training, you're making a hell of a lot more. You are actually, (laughs) you're not paying tuition for four years and working, working at, you know, some retail job in the summer. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And you're, as your apprenticeship, yeah, you're right. That, that phrase earn while you learn, you are making money from day one. And then when you go to school, most trades, you don't pay for those training blocks. You right. generally don't pay for them. You, and you, could, you also can collect EI while you're going for those eight-week blocks. So, yeah, it's, it's again, a lack of awareness. People don't really know that all these things are out there. Well, to, to, you know, and to your point about schools, I recently threw around actually on LinkedIn um, on the channels a little while ago. Uh, it was the simplest thing. Uh, if someone had, had posted it in the U.S., uh, uh, an American high school, and uh, and someone had put up a poster in the uh, in the halls saying, um, um, you know, university is not the only path, or or, or something like this. Uh, uh, you can have a great career in the trades, and then it just listed the hourly rate on 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 all the various trades, and you know, I, I pro- the average is probably thirty bucks an hour, and 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 wherever this was, and and I just looked at that and I said, you know. If every high school in this country just had something as simple as that on the wall, you know, I, I think it would just, you know, it, it, it would just it would just open people's eyes a little bit to it, you know, and 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 it's um, it, it, it's it, it's so it's so it's such a simple thing, but uh, but people don't uh, you know yeah like you say that that a lot of the teachers and a, and a lot of the uh, a lot of parents. Uh, have that have the wrong idea about about how and, and the, the fact of the matter is there's a lot of people and I'll go and I'll go ahead and say a lot of guys who who are not big fans of sitting in a desk and listening to someone drone at them uh they they, they want to work with their hands and there's nothing wrong with that doesn't mean they're stupid 
it, 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 at all, right? And 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 that that pathway of university is just wrong for so many people, right? In terms of job satisfaction, construction workers actually have one of the highest levels of job satisfaction. I mean, when my parent, my grandparents were immigrants from Europe right after the war, a lot of my uncles um, and grandfathers went into the trades and in, in from Winnipeg. And every time we drove by a building, one of my grandfathers would say, I, I built that. It was he built it. <laughs> he built the whole yeah, building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was him. It was all him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying pride you know the pride in working on that building and 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 that's to this day is still pans out holds out that a lot of the positive comments about your profession construction workers in the different trades job satisfaction is extremely really high and in a lot of the white collar jobs job satisfaction is really bad it's really low in many professions people hate my job but i got to do it i don't know how to do anything else you, you uh, the, the, I remember um, they had a little uh, ceremony or something at uh, at uh, a, a group that certifies glaziers as having completed their uh, uh, their their program. That's called the AGMT program, actually in the U.S. Uh, and and hopefully soon in Canada as well. Uh, and um, and you know they had a little ceremony handing out the certificates to these guys. The smiles were ear to ear, man. I mean, I mean, these the, 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 there is such great pride, uh, you know, in 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 what in what they do and what everybody does in the in in this trade. And I, I, I yeah, exactly. Do you get the same? Do you get the same feeling? Um, finishing your quarterly report, uh, <laughs> you know, like like. Uh, yeah, here's my 40 page of figures and analysis. Yeah, and the minute it's done, it's like and no one reads it. No one reads it. Yeah, no one reads it. Yeah, no one reads it. No one cares about it anymore. And and you wonder what you just spent the last three months of your life on. You know, yeah, it's 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 it, 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 exactly. Well, you know, Robert, you're, you're you're preaching to the choir on that stuff, and, and yeah, we absolutely need a uh, you know we 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 do need an awareness. We we need a bump in awareness. Well, and I guess I guess that goes to uh, so so. I have my idea of posters in high schools. Uh, I, I, you probably have something more sophisticated. <laughs> what, what, uh, what would be, uh, what, what, what would be a potential solution to to raise that awareness and get that pipeline for skilled labor filled up a little bit? We are actually working on that. I know the provincial building trades received a grant from um, the Ministry of Labor and Skills Development too. But the, one of the biggest problems we're our own worst enemy in terms of marketing ourselves. Um, there is not one hub, not one place where you can go where all the information, where all the career paths are for the different trades, because they are different. There's, there's different, you know, it's the trades. A lot of people think the trades is this one harmonious group. There's a lot of differences. You know, there's differences between the compulsory trades and the voluntary trades. Um, there's, you know, by region, there's, there's different career paths and in, in, in getting into the apprenticeship system. So we're working on, sort of a, a one-stop information hub as we speak. We started on it earlier this year, and I know the provincial building trades too are also working on the sites because, you know, if you want to go to university, there's a website you go to, and it's got all the universities in Ontario. It's got all, and same with colleges. So we need to have that too. And so I know that's being worked on. So unfortunately, I can't say go to this website today, yeah. but it's, but 
you know, you'll have to, yeah, you have to do a little bit of homework, unfortunately. But we're also working with different um, groups, you know, different employment agencies, because they're, it was about a year and a half ago, I spoke to a group up at York Region, and it was, the, the mayor was there, and um, they had a bunch of employment agencies that work with new Canadians and young Canadians that are looking for jobs. And I'm talking about, you know, all these projected shortages, and they're all going, holy mackerel, where, we, where can we find that information? And I'm going, yeah, good question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's a haphazard. I mean, there's, there's, there's not one place that has everything. Yeah. And that's the problem. So that's so that started a whole chain of events where we are trying to address that. We'll we'll be trying to address that pro, that issue and have like you know a snapshot of the trade. You know what's their scope of work? What's their average hourly rate? Where are the training centers? Where would you have to go? You know by region. Um, what do the job projections look like in your region? So if you're in Western Ontario, what does it look like there? What about Ottawa, Eastern? Ontario? So having that all in one place, I think would be beneficial for parents and influencers to say, oh, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, Johnny or Jane can do A, B, and C, and there's all there's 25 different careers. Yeah. They're not jobs, they're careers. They're unique. You know, you have a certain subject matter expertise in that career. Like a, a glazier can't do what a plumber does, can't do what a millwright does. It's, you know, they're all in the trades, but they all have different, um, scopes of work and working conditions. So there's something for everybody, yeah. you know, like there's, you know, you can't, um, there's, if you have a personality that you want to be a, B and C, well, there's a trade for that. If it's C, D and E, it's this, or there's, you know, there's trades that are out there that people probably aren't aware of that. If they, they looked into it, they go, Oh man, that's really cool. That's really cool. I want to do that. And if the school guidance counselor, Right, but uh, Bobby sitting there, who uh, uh, isn't so thrilled with his uh, ancient Greek literature course that he's that he's in, uh, uh, you know, they might have a, a resource there to uh, to discuss some options, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that. My um, my second son has his project, sorry, construction management degree at George Brown, so he's working. He's working on downtown Tor Toronto. My youngest son just got a degree in uh, arts degree in philosophy and psychology. Huh. He's now, he's now applying at IBEW to be an electrician. He huh. went to a school. Like this was an, another comment I was going to say, like they've taken shops and all that stuff out of schools. Yeah. He took a robotics course and he also took another basic and he loved it. Yeah. So after he finished his arts, he just went, you know what? So now he's wanting to be an electrician and he's still only 20. He's uh, 21. Yeah. And so he's, they've already got plans. One's, one's Jesse, one's Dylan. They got plans for fibers down the road that they want to start their own business. So Jesse you know, wants to get his, get into his apprenticeship, get his journeyman ticket. And Dylan wants to start his own con. Like, so They've already got plans for like, you know, and they'll still be like in their early thirties, you know, like, yeah. so that's what they're, that's what they're talking about because there's so much work out there. So, you know, 
Anyway, that's he's going to find the philosophy very useful when he has to debate <laughs> with, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? As I, 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 my background is I did civil engineering at Queens, okay. and there's no such thing as a civil engineer. I had a bad joke, oh, but that's right. Yeah, we used to, we used to disparage the the guys in arts, and then when Jesse brought his textbook home on, there's symbolic logic, and I looked at it and I went, <laughs> Oh no! I went. Holy mackerel! I will never disparage them again. Like it was, it was so difficult. I went, holy mackerel! I went, yeah. okay. So I'm not going to disparage. That. No, well, yeah, and yeah. Full, full disclosure: no disparagement of the arts here, because of course I got nothing but an arts degree. And if 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 I try to hang a picture on the wall, it's crooked. So I, I'm t- <laughs> there's there's like uh, no no. I there's the 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 arts are uh, the the they're they're still out there. Let's. Speaking of, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, potential barriers or, or things that are good, things that are bad, give me your assessment right now of Ontario's apprenticeship, apprenticeship system. Um, what do you think, um, what's working, what's not working? Uh, wh- where are things heading? Uh, uh, what could be improved? What's your, what's your view on it? I think, okay, so it's, it's, I think sometimes when you just look at Ontario and you're not exposed to the rest of Canada or the United States, you go, oh, there's so many things wrong with our apprenticeship. Actually, I think we have the best apprenticeship system in North America. Mm. So in my previous role, I was a training director um, for, for glaziers, architectural glass and metal technicians, commercial uh, painters and decorators, and industrial painters. And so I was, I was involved with the um, International Union, Union of Painters and Allied Trades. Yep. So I had contact with all the training directors across Canada, and we would frequently go down to Hanover, Baltimore. It was right outside of Baltimore. For We would meet all the training directors um, throughout the states. And then I would talk about all the stuff and support we would get from the, 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 the ministry. Of, it was MTCU back then. It's now the Ministry of Labor and Skills Development. But the support we got from them was like no other province or state gets the same amount of support that the government does. Not even close. And the other thing, too, is that employers and unions in Ontario really have got their act together when it comes to training. There are over 100 training centers across the province that are funded by a trust fund, employers and contractors, sorry, unions and contractors who are putting money into these these training centers. And they are pumping out guys with, you know, their apprenticeship as well as health and safety training. Um, we did some research on that um, eight years ago. It was $40 million a year. It's now up to $140 million a year put into apprenticeship training and health and safety training and jointly managed by, by union and, and uh, management. So they're able to respond to any new technology. Um, you take a tour of our training centers, you will be, you will be impressed. They are incredible. Yes. So, you know, I know there's been a lot of criticism of the, you know, it's not, but when you look at other jurisdictions, they're not getting the funding that they are from our government. And that's, I'm talking about liberals, conservatives. Um, It's not really, each party is sort of doing their own thing and they're not, you know, there's not, one's not better than the other. You know, the previous government was, was very supportive. The current government is even up the, up the support. So having said that, it's not perfect. It's not perfect, but I think it's 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 not broken either. 
And so what we're doing is, is um, one of the research projects we're doing in the next year is we're looking at the projections trade by trade, a region by region throughout the province. And then we're going to compare that with the training capacity to see if there's any gaps in capacity and seeing if there's any um, places where we, yeah, Hey, we need to, we need to build a training center here, or we need to increase the capacity. So that's part of our job is to do the research. And so we are going to do that research and then we would present that finding to the government to see if there's any, um, you know, cause they, cause you know, Minister McNaughton has really put his money where his mouth is. He yeah, really he's has. Been, he's been doing a lot. There's, he really has. I did a steady flow of announcements and things. Yeah. I, never, yeah. I never used to see that. Yeah. So I, and you know, he, he also, you know, with, with trying to eliminate the stigma, um, they've been, you know, they've been coming out with that. And the pandemic has, has hindered some of the, some of the projects that they had planned, but I would have to say, you know, like, yeah, it's, is it perfect? No. But when you look at other regions, it's pretty darn good. And the envy of a lot of uh, provinces and states. So we can build on it. We can improve it. Um, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And that's what we hope to do. But I think, I think, you know, overall, I think it's, 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 it's meeting the needs um, as best as, 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 as we can right now. I mean, we're in the midst of a pandemic, obviously, so there was a bit of a glitch in terms of that. But then they got opened um, earlier this year, so we're still they're still pumping out apprentices, but just you know class size are a bit smaller and they're a bit restricted. But you know, hopefully, we're coming out of this. Like I, you know, I'm hoping we're coming out of this. Do the do the do the ratios as they are today make sense in today's day and age, Robert? The the apprentice journeyman ratios. Um, again, that is so trade specific. <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Glaciers, glaciers. You know, to be frank, <laughs> sometimes what, what the government says is the ratio is not necessarily the ratio in the collective agreement. Right. So the government might say it's a one-to-one, -one, mm -hmm. but in the collective agreement, it might say, you know what, you know, depending on the size of the work crew, it's going to be this or that, or, you know, so, you know, it's, the problem I have sometimes with one-to-one -one is that if you get paired with a guy who's not a very good mentor, you're up the creek. Mm -hmm. So when it was two-to-one or three-to-one, chances are one or one of those guys would be a good mentor. So, you know, that mentorship program has been around for, what, 3,000 years? 3,000, yeah, for as long as there's been. Right, right. You know, it used yeah. to be your father, right? Yeah. They were in a guild. You know, you'd work from home and you'd be part of a guild and that would be part of that relationship or you got indentured to somebody. Mm -hmm. um, but I think lowering the ratios is not a good thing, um, especially, you know, if you got a guy who's not a very good mentor. So anyway, it yeah. depends on the trade, you know, like some trades, it's more, more important than others. Um, it's hard to do broad generalizations. That's, yeah. that's, that's the thing I, I try to sh stay away from is to make it because there's really not a one size fits all for, you know, all the trades. I, I can, I can think of, I can think of some readers of mine that would probably go for that indentured program. Um, I <laughs> <laughs> so if I'm training this guy, I got him for 10 years. Is that <laughs> Signs, uh, yeah. 10 year and a 10 year option after that. <laughs> your option after that yeah exactly that's <laughs> i think that would be popular uh not likely 
Um, let's let's turn to another potential source of uh, of uh, uh, to to fill some of the the labor pipeline up. Um, women, um, there's there's uh, uh, more and more getting involved. Things certainly seem to be rolling in the right direction. Um, still uh, 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 still challenges. Um, what what ideas does OCS have, Robert, to uh, to try to uh, get the ladies uh, uh, more involved? Uh, I, I guess both on. I mean. It, it, it seems less of a challenge in the offices, but definitely out on the on the skilled trade side and out on the job sites. What uh, what are we looking at there? Um, there's been a lot of I've actually had personal experience with this, like working with YWCA. We actually did projects for glazers and painters with the YWCA. Mm-hmm. And those a lot of those pre-apprenticeship projects are really, really good in the sense that you've got a group of women you know, if you said to them, this is a left-handed screwdriver, they would go, oh, that's nice. That's nice that there's tools for them. They have no clue. Yeah. And then when they're finished that pre-apprenticeship, they're driving like a scissor lift, like it's nobody's business. Mm-hmm. So the, a lot of the pre-apprenticeship programs that are with the YWCA, for example, have been very successful. And I know the bricklayers have done stuff. I know the drywallers. So there's been a number of trades that targeted you have to, they partner with these groups that, that target women and they can be very successful and they have, and I know also in Ottawa that I've had success with that. So I think there's a number of, of employment agencies that work specifically with women. Mm-hmm. There's a lack of awareness where we're saying the same stuff. They're not aware of these good paying jobs that are available out there. And, you know, in terms of pay equity, if you're, you know, the collective agreement says a worker gets this much per hour. It doesn't say a guy gets this much and a woman gets this much. It's you do the work, you get the, you get the pay. Mm-hmm. And so pay equity has been around in the unionized sector for decades yeah. is you can do the work. So, but, but having said that, you know, there's, there was a lot of stuff that needed to change. Like, you know, the wash, we were mentioning this earlier with the pandemic, yeah. you know, you know, the change rooms, washroom, like that had to be straightened up. That was a major barrier for, for women. And, and rightfully, you know, guys, I don't know why guys were putting up with it, some of that stuff. I mean, never mind women, but yeah. anyway, that's another story. Um, I know the, the the provincial building trades have created a whole mentorship program too, where they are linking women with other women who are who already are uh, trades persons in that trade. So there's there's a number of support groups that have uh, I know the electricians have set up something. So there's more and more of those kind of programs, and and frankly, guys have to smarten up. Yeah. You know, they they basically have to smarten up and change how they act and talk. Um, and I know that's happening as more younger people are getting into it. I know, um, that's happening. So working with groups, community benefit groups, YWCA, um, they're working, getting more women in because that's an untapped, um, potential. And, you know, also, you know, under representative groups too, you know, like first nations groups and, um, you know, different minority groups and some of the, some of the trades are very, very good at doing that, you know, and part of it is just being hiring business agents who look like the group you're trying to recruit, Mm. you know, like you're trying to recruit from the Jamaican community, you know, you have to have a Jamaican guy. It makes sense. It's like, you know, how are you going to, you know, you want to get into the Turkish community, get a Turkish tradesman and get him in there. And I know that's, 
a lot of trades are actually have that's what that's how they've gotten inroads into different group groups and you have to be like that and you have to be you know creative and that's how you can get from a lot of these untapped organizations there's a lot of community groups out there that are looking for work like a lot of new immigrants they you know they don't know where to go yeah well plug there for the uh uh, uh, African American Contractors Association. Yeah, yeah. Interview with uh, I talked to uh, Spencer Sefton over there, and uh, and uh, they. Well, uh, Stephen Callender was he spoke at, he he spoke at our AGM last year. We had him on our panel. Yeah, right, right. Yep, and yep, and those guys are uh, those guys are examples of that for sure. Um, and uh, you know what? The, the, there, there's a there, there's an element of community. Uh, I think for any any workplace. Uh, and, uh, you know, with the, with the women, one of the things I've found in some of the sort of pro women in construction, uh, uh, things I've been doing, um, is, uh, is they just appreciate so much the opportunity to get together and, 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 and talk to uh, other women that are, in, that are in the trades. Right. So, so if, if there were a few more on a job site, right. At least, at least they'd have each other. Yes, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I, it seems to me that would work a lot better. Uh, but uh, you know that you have to you have to have the applicants. Um, so that's the. Well, I think you know it's there's been a focus on it now and an awareness. Like you know, we 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 did a diversity and uh, uh, sort of research and try to identify you know, and the numbers are low. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the numbers are low. It's it's and so now we got a benchmark. So hopefully when we revisit that in two years that we see an upward trend. So it's, you know, the, the, the problem has been identified. It's in the open. We need more workers. So let's just marry these two things and let's recruit more and, and let's be more sensitive to what they need. Yeah. And you know what? They can do the job. They can do the work. Yeah, the, the running across the road to the gas station method of supplying a bathroom is not. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> that was, it was never good in the first place. And, and that uh, might be a step down, too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. During the pandemic, it got, uh, it got, uh, uh, it became completely unworkable. So, listen, I, I can't let you go, Robert, without asking you, uh, uh, I guess, a little bit about the, uh, the economic picture. Um, we talked, uh, I think, a bit before we started about uh, about supply side and, and 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 a lot of the shortages that we're seeing. Um, what uh, what is what is OCS's feeling on? I guess first of all, uh, is this inflation going to stop, slow down? Are, are these price rate rises going to going to calm down a little bit, uh, or are we headed into a situation where it starts to impact demand for everyone's services and? Uh, we start to feel like there's a, there's a recessionary pull. Good question. Um, I, um, hard to say, but I, from just based on, like I mentioned earlier, what got us out of the 2008, nine recession was construction was played a big part of that. There's billions of dollars already pledged from infrastructure, Ontario, the infrastructure bank, federally, the, the city of Toronto, other municipalities, you know, KW area, Hamilton, they've already announced these projects. They're, they're going to happen, whether there's inflation or not. Mm-hmm. They might be delayed because of these supply chain issues. I know some of the trades are saying, man, I, I, I can't be working right now because I don't have materials. So, but it's, they're going to happen. It's going to happen. So the other thing too is inflation 
you know, the government has so much debt now coming out. So there's going to be a, a lot of pressure on them to keep interest rates down. Yep. Because they've got to service the debt is going to be like quite a big chunk of the revenue when this pandemic's over. So there's going to be a lot of pressure on the government not to increase interest rates. So it, it's a bit of a complicated scenario. Um, how do you do that if inflation starts coming around and you, you know, it, it, everything's sort of tied in together and plus we're in a global economy. So a lot of times these factors are not determined by internally by Canada. So we don't, we don't have any predictions that yet. Um, we had um, CIBC's chief economist speak at our AGM two years in a row, actually, Benjamin Tall. <laughs> yeah. He, you know, he, he said it's, when this pandemic's over, it's going to be dancing in the streets because uh, there's been so much pent up demand that he said, you know, basically there's a lot of people who've been sitting on this money that haven't been able to spend it, you know, like on luxury items, on travel, clothes and, you know, restaurants, et cetera. And, you know, the people who've been hardest hit are the people who are on the low end of the, the pay scale, you know, the people with making minimum wage and stuff, but the people who are like middle class and higher have all this pent up demand. So his predictions were that it's going to be like really, really good. So yeah, I know infl it, but once these supply chain issues are resolved, hopefully once the pandemic is over and there's a period of like a transition period where, you know, all these factories can open up again and do full, full, you know, full steam ahead. Hopefully those issues will be only short intervals. So I don't know. I, I sometimes think, you know, the economists who get it right are just lucky that round. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's the same with stockbrokers. They pick stocks that got, yeah, see, look at it, but they got lucky. It's someone's going to be right and someone's going to be wrong. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's that's, that's, that's my too, uh, Robert is that, um, uh, you know, th th this is not, um, I guess what you would call the regular demand side recession. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 been caused by these uh, uh, supply chain issues that that Scarcity. really have to yeah. do with price or the demand of anything. Therefore, on the interest rates, what you need is for companies to invest to clear the supply side issues, right? Right, right. Using interest rates in that environment makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, you you want companies to borrow more, right? And to and to and to clear out and to start making more stuff and, and shipping more stuff and more shipping containers. Now, I don't, I don't know what you do if you can't get silica out of the ground in China, but I, you know, I, I we have silica here in Canada, I think, uh, you know, so, I mean, this is, this, this is the, this is the kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, you know what, Robert, uh, th th that was a nice dose of hope and optimism coming from you there. So we can. <laughs> well, I'll pull Benjamin dancing in the streets. Those are, that was his exact quote. So get ready to go dancing in the streets. Uh, uh, on that note, Robert, I've kept you long enough. Um, I want to thank you very much for, uh, for joining us and giving us a perspective uh, uh, from OCS. If, if people want to uh, hear more from you, if they want to get in touch with uh, Ontario Construction Secretariat, uh, where do they go? What do they do? Well, our website is um, iciconstruction.com. Mm -hmm. And my you can info at, info at iciconstruction.com. Yep. And you can get in touch with Robert Brunk, the CEO of... OCS, the Ontario Construction Secretariat. Thanks so much for joining us today, Robert. Thanks, Patrick. Appreciate it. It was fun.
Thanks for listening to Glass Talk. You can find this episode at glasscanadamag.com or on the major podcasting services. Glass Talk is a presentation of Glass Canada Magazine and Annex Business Media. Music